0: This is not your average financial podcast. Episode 71, The Debtor, The Saver, or The Wealth Creator. Which staircase are you climbing? Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode. Uh, I'm your co-host, Mark Willis, and with me in the studio today is Holly Buck. Hey, Holly.
1: Hello. Welcome, everyone.
0: Glad to have you here. Glad to have you all here. Uh, We're going to be discussing some very important concepts around how do you buy stuff and uh, what is the right staircase to climb? Someone once said, you know, "I'm, I'm climbing up the corporate ladder, but it was leaning against the wrong wall. So I want to make sure that you guys are climbing the right ladder and it's leaning up against the right wall. That's what we're going to be discussing today. But before we do, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're going to be in the Chicagoland area and you want to see us uh, perform some of these concepts live uh, to the general public, we are going to be doing two workshops completely free to listeners of this podcast. Uh, So I'll be presenting at the uh, library in Glen Ellen, January 29th and 30th from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. each night. So pick and choose, you don't have to go to both, you can go to one or the other, Uh, or heck, why not bring uh, someone with you and go to both evenings? So we'd love to have you. However, there are uh, RSVPs that are needed, so you do need tickets to attend and the seating is limited and will be sold out. So you do have to reserve your spot, go to lakegrowth.com slash events and find us there on the event calendar. Or you can simply email us at hello at nyafinancialpodcast.com and just uh, put in the subject line, January Workshop. Uh, so that's that'll help us know what we're looking for and to make sure to, to put you on our list. So we are gonna jump right on in. What staircase are you climbing? What staircase are you climbing? So many policyholders uh, that that uh, even own whole life insurance, um, are it surprises me, but many of them don't realize what a really just powerful credit facility they have within their whole life policy. So today we hope to explore some of that tremendous financial power and uh, the benefits that come with using the loan capacity inside your whole life policy uh, to fund your large routine purchases over your lifetime. So funding these big capital purchases, whether it's a car, or real estate or equipment for your business or paying for your kid's college, instead of paying cash using your policy loan or even using a bank loan, uh, gives you just tons of benefits when you use the policy loan feature. For example, it gives you some growth and access to the cash value within the policy. Uh, It gives you some creation and growth of a separate asset called the death benefit, so something you wouldn't have if you just saved up and paid cash for stuff. It gives you the ability to get access to money without having to go and beg a banker. You know, no need to qualify for a bank loan. And it gives you a solid savings program, something that you can be packing away that we should probably all be doing anyway. Uh, What are some other things? It
1: gives you the ability to set your own loan repayment schedule. Uh, So these are non-recourse loans. There's no late uh, payments or penalties or anything like that. You're in complete control. Um, It also eliminates uh, fees and service charges that you would otherwise pay to others. There's transaction privacy. So that's not going to be like recorded in all these different places for everyone to see that you're taking out loans. It's all private.
0: Yeah, there's no universal default. Uh, there's no unilateral loan provisions. Um, You know, you you get that uh, title immediately on your car. For example, if you use the policy loan to buy a car, you get the title right away. So there's no lien against the car and it makes it easier to sell later on, Uh, just plain and simple.
1: Mm -hmm. And so what does conventional purchasing look like? Well, usually we go about making large routine capital purchases in two ways. Uh, One, we take a loan from a bank and pay the loan back on their terms. Or two, we pay, or we sorry, we save, and we pay cash upfront for that.
0: Mm-hmm. And we are going to jump into a pretty awesome, complex financial like image drawing um, in the next uh, ten minutes or so. And just to make it easier for those that are visual learners, we are going to create a video on YouTube and post it to our show notes page here. So just be on the lookout for that. You can look for your show notes by if you're listening to this and the uh, one of the podcast players by uh, finding the show notes in the uh, settings of the, uh, of the episode. So the first thing we're gonna do is look at the first staircase, uh, the debtor staircase. So many of us, unfortunately, fall into this category. We need to purchase a car, and so we don't have anything saved at that point, let's say. So what do we do? If we want a car today, how do we buy that car? Well, we go to the bank, and we go through their process of qualifying for a loan. If we fill out all their paperwork and someone in the back office waves a magic wand and approves us, the financial institution will eventually end up lending us some money to go buy our car. Now we can only use that money to buy their car. It's not like we can then just take that cash and you know, go, you know, go to Vegas or something. Uh, in addition to that, they're also gonna set forth a bunch of terms, some red tape uh, for that, that loan. For example, they're gonna charge us loan interest. They're gonna uh, have a loan origination fee which I've always been curious as to what that's about. Uh, and repayment. Like, why do we need to have a loan origination fee? That seems sort of silly. Is it just the cost of the paper? Uh, <laughs> including our monthly loan repayment uh, and schedule. It's all on their books, right? It's all their rules. If we don't follow their rules, what could they do, Holly? Like, if, they, if I don't follow their rules, what are they going to do?
1: They can repossess the car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, they'll just come grab it. And off my driveway, so they can do this because you know when we obtained the car loan, the bank placed a lien against the vehicle, and they got to keep the title to that vehicle to ensure that they'll get paid to the last penny for that outstanding loan. If you try to sell that car before the loan's paid off, the lien against that title ensures that your car is going to be fully paid, or the loan is going to be paid back to the lender before you get any money from the the buyer of your vehicle. So in other words, bottom line, the bank holds all the control, they reap all the profits you're going to hold all the risk and pay all the fees. Now, how does that sound for, you know, a winner's breakfast right there? (laughs) What about, uh, yeah, that, that, that image of the debtor staircase? Help walk us through that.
1: Yeah, so um, now we're going to kind of jump into the visual here. Visual here of what that looks like. So imagine drawing a straight horizontal line uh, going from left to right, straight across the middle of your page or your mind, <laughs> and that line is a financial timeline of your life. So starting, you know, um, on the left hand side, starting you know today, and then or even before that, and then into the future on the right hand side. So put a big zero at the end of that arrow. And that represents kind of a a net worth of zero. So it just kind of represents um, the progress that you've made through through the purchases. So anything above that line is going to be you came out positive on this purchase, more or less, and anything below is going to be you actually came out negative. So when you're on the line of net zero, essentially when you're chilling there at zero, you owe nobody and you own nothing. So there's no debt, but you also don't have any actual tangible Asset, so we're all born on net zero, and we all die at net zero because you can't take it with you, right? It's a great song. You can, <laughs> you can, t- you can um, leave it to your family certainly, but you can't take it right. with you. Um, so uh, the debtor staircase, what does that look like? So when we try to buy a car without saving for it first, like you talked about, Mark, there's no savings there. We take the debtor's staircase. So imagine a vertical line dropping from the net zero horizontal line, and now you're far below the zero line, okay? So imagine we have our line going across horizontally. Well, we had to go to a bank and we had to take a loan for let's say $20,000 to buy that car. Well, now we're gonna be at negative 20,000 it's where we're at. Okay.
0: So we've fallen below, there's a vertical drop below yep. that that net zero line. Now we're below net zero. Got it. Yep.
1: So we're at negative 20,000 or whatever the cost of the car would be. But now as you make payments to pay the car off, imagine there's a stair step climbing you back up to net zero. And so, you know, let's say you're making payments of, you know, $400 a month. Well, that means every month we're going to see you move forward a month, so we're going to be moving across it mm-hmm. in a time time way. And then we're also going to be going up as we pay that, those $400 payments. And so we're slowly going to be working our way up and over, up and over, up and over, up and over until we rent eventually, however many years the loan payoff plan is for, repayment schedule, will eventually at the end of it all, at the end of those five years, we'll have kind of climbed upside down, in mm-hmm. a way, um, back to zero. So we'll have kind of clawed our way back up there um, to get there.
0: That's right. Yeah, now we're five years in, uh, for example. So we're a little further from left to right on our net zero line. We've climbed b- climbed, and clawed right back up to net zero. We've paid off the car loan with a bunch of interest paid to the bank to boot. And that's, of course, when we would call Dave Ramsey and scream,
1: "I'm debt free!
0: But of course, we're not really debt free because of all the time we just wasted. Um, And of course, now the car is five years old and we need some upgrades and we need those kids to get uh, a little further back or they need a bigger back seat uh, because they're growing up, right? So we still don't have anything saved because all that monthly payments were going to the bank rather than our savings account. So once again, uh, what do we do? If we need a car today and we don't have anything saved, how do we get that car this afternoon? Well, of course, you go right back down the, the debtor staircase. You fall straight down that same rabbit hole you just climbed out of. So another vertical line dropping in your mind here on the net zero to below net zero. And once again, we're just gonna repeat the process again and again and again of just climbing up. It's sort of like a staircase, like you said, an upside down staircase or a sawtooth climbing, scratching, clawing our way back up to net zero. Most people live their entire lives revolving on that debt staircase escalator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I think back to like some of those terrifying uh, drops at the amusement park that just ratchets you up and then drops you down. It's it's terrifying.
1: Yeah. So you, you spend your whole life, kind of when you're stuck in this debtor cycle, you spend your whole life falling down the staircase, slowly climbing back up, falling back down the same staircase, going back up, all just at the end of it all. So let's say you have bought, you know, 15 cars throughout your lifetime or whatever the case may be. And at the end of it all, you're still at the same zero. There has been no economic benefit to you, really only economic detriment, even in terms of the interest that you've paid over that time, um, to have bought your cars in this way. Um, And you just kind of got sucked in and stuck in this downward spiral in a way.
0: Sure. Well, so let's, let's look at the other side of the equation. So once again, imagine that line going across your mind, vertical or horizontal line going across your mind. And now let's say that, you know, let's take the saver's staircase. So start at the left side of that line. Many people think that saving is the better solution to the problem of debt uh, and the debt staircase, Holly, that you just described. So on that staircase, on the uh, saver's staircase, you're not going to be charged any interest. You get to control how much and when you save the money. That feels nice. And there may even be some interest earned if it's in an interest-earning savings account. Uh, So unfortunately, there will be some tax liability on any money that's earning interest uh, in a savings account. And also unfortunate, many times to keep your money liquid to buy the car or whatever, you might not put it in a financial product that's really going to give you a lot of interest. I mean, my savings account right now is still showing me uh, 0.01%, I think. (laughs) So that's like a slap in the face, I guess. So the the saver is going to start at net zero, just like the debt Uh, staircase did. But instead of that terrifying drop immediately to go into debt, he's going to incrementally walk up a staircase. So it looks like another staircase building up uh, only to come uh, to the top where he's able to save up all the money he needs to buy his car. And then he walks into the car lot and what does he do? He swipes his debit card, right? No credit cards with the saver. Uh, Or he takes a withdrawal from his bank and walks in with cash. Now, what happens to your staircase whenever you pull money out. Well, it comes crashing down when the money is withdrawn from the savings account or spent on the debit card. So the saver, once again, is back at the net zero position. And then, of course, he has to then incrementally start that savings process all over again to anticipate the next car or the other big purchase five years from now, right? Because those kids are still going to need that bigger backseat. So neither the debtor nor the saver really are all that different when you think about it. Neither come out ahead with their purchases and both are really tied down to the gravity of net zero. So what do the saver and the debtor have in common? They're really both trapped. They're both tied down to net zero. They haven't reached that escape velocity They're still rolling uh, on that net zero timeline. And time is still ticking as they make those purchases and make those payments, whether it's to their savings account or to their bank, uh, to their credit card. uh, They both have staircases that look identical mirror images of each other really, uh, right? If you were to see this visually, which again, check it out on our uh, YouTube channel or on the show notes, you can go to that and see that. Uh, The debtor's staircase falls vertically first and then climbs up to zero the saver climbs up from zero and then falls at the end. So reality is there's no difference between the two. Certainly one has pros and cons over the other. I mean, with the with the debtor staircase, you get the car today. <laughs> you have to take the bus for five years if you're gonna be on the saver staircase, right? But they're essentially the same. Both will keep you really out of control and both will keep you out of ever creating real wealth. Now, no financial product by itself is gonna change your life or even your mindset. It really comes down to the financial vehicle between your ears, (laughs) okay? Your mind, you are your own greatest asset, as we've said before. Do you believe that you're a saver? Um, Oh, then you'll be safe. Do you believe that you're gonna be a debtor? Then you're gonna be forever in debt. If you believe you're a wealth creator, then we're gonna teach that concept in this episode. And so tell us, Holly, what is the wealth creator staircase?
1: Yeah, and really kind of this line of thinking came out of just um, looking at both of these scenarios and looking at the, the the saver and the debtor. And of course, you if you actually ran the physical numbers, you crunched the numbers, the saver is going to come out a little bit on top, right? They both end at zero, but there was money saved on interest. So actual total dollars spent over the lifetime, the saver will have spent less total dollars. But you know, what actual economic benefit was created by those purchases. And that's what we're talking about. And so the only way that you can make purchases and not just end up at zero at the end of the day is you have to lift off from zero. Mm. Somehow you have to find a way, a product, a vehicle, a strategy that allows you to lift off from zero, still make your purchases, but have your money working for you. I mean, what does that mean to lift off? Well, it would mean your money would have to be working while you're spending it or while you're using it to make access purchases. Access
0: to your money. Some people call it access to your money without liquidating your money.
1: Mm-hmm. And so really, you know, the wealth creator is this idea that we're going to have um, a scenario here where you can actually lift off from zero. And so we'll kind of describe that to you in our our visual that we're trying to describe um, over audio (laughs) Um, but you know this this wealth creator staircase this is where um, the power of using the built-in credit capability of a custom designed whole life insurance policy comes into play. The loan feature within one of these policies is guaranteed. So it's part of the contract when you sign up. Um, When you borrow from your whole life policy, there's no loan application or qualifying process. Um, Real quickly, how is that possible? Because when you borrow from the insurance company and you take a loan against your policy, you didn't actually withdraw the money from your policy. You took a loan and it came from the general fund. So policy cash value and death benefit just act as collateral for that same loan. So as you pay down your loan and the loan interest, there's still loan interest on the policy loan, the print, the principal becomes available once again as part of the cash value inside your policy. So if you choose not to repay the loan, then the insure, and the um and then the insurer dies with the loan still outstanding, the that balance is just going to be subtracted from the death benefit. And don't forget, since we have a private contract with the insurance company, your loan transaction remains private. So credit check, credit reporting agencies, they're not involved um, in this process at all.
0: Okay, so imagine with me one more time, that arrow of net zero going across the middle of your mind there, and imagine this wealth creator's staircase, okay? So what we're gonna do for this is imagine again that horizontal line. Now, alongside that line, imagine a curved line beginning to lift above net zero as you go from left to right. Imagine it's sort of like a slope or a J curve, you know, where it's becoming more and more efficient and more increasing faster and faster as the years go on. This is the policy owner building up more and more wealth inside his life insurance policy. So after the policy is started, the policy owner is gonna maybe decide to take a loan against the policy. So similar to the saver, he still has to put money in there, okay? But once it's in there, um, he's got the funds ready to buy the car. So imagine underneath that sloping J-curve, lifting off from net zero, escaping uh, the gravity of net zero. Now imagine there's this vertical line dropping, not from net zero as it would be with the debtor staircase, but from the sloping increasing wealth creator line, Uh, okay? So you have that loan coming down below the J-curve of the wealth creator's uh, line there. And uh, we wanna uh, then of course pay it back to the the asset that we own. So imagine a staircase now climbing back up to that curved line rather than just climbing back up to net zero. In other words, by the time you pay off your car loan to the policy that you own, you're ahead of where you were, not right back to where you started again. So this is to me better than being debt free. Uh, there is a loan and you will wanna pay it back at some point But unlike a loan to a bank, there's no qualifying process, no loan origination fees, no service charges, no rigid loan repayment schedule. Um, They won't even call you if you're late on your payments uh, unless you want Holly or me to call you, which we're happy to do. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's a bit about how that wealth creator staircase looks.
1: Yeah. And so essentially it's it's going to look like the debtor staircase. I mean, like you said, Mark, so like we're going to see that steep fall because it's alone. So it's still alone. So it still comes down. Um, and But then you climb right back up. And it's like you said, but you're climbing to a higher point than what you started at. And that's possible because of the power of a participating whole life insurance contract and um, the fact that the money in the policy is continuing to compound and grow even while you have a loan against it. So that is what's happening here. And this is a picture of the power of uninterrupted compound growth like we've talked about before and what these policies make possible. So again, this process still takes time and it still takes putting money aside for purchases. It's just inside your policy rather than in a savings account. So as you take out loans and make purchases and repay the loans with interest, you just don't end up back at zero at the conclusion of each purchasing cycle. So wealth grows on a compounding basis inside the policy over your entire lifetime, so you know this could be powerful enough if it's just one. But imagine all the cars you'd ever buy, you know, or whatever the purchase may be. It's not just applicable to cars. Um, all those purchases over your entire yeah. lifetime.
0: Some people think about their their net worth. You know, what's the biggest asset in my life? Well, a lot of folks it's their home value. Other people it's their four hundred one k or whatever. But truly, your biggest asset is the income you will make over your lifetime and how you will spend that income is gonna be more important than almost anything else you could possibly decide on. So what's the best way to buy stuff is really what we're asking in this episode. So this episode might be more important than certainly, you know, what neighborhood to buy your house in or what to invest in your 401k, right? So let's take a look at an example of how wealth creators use this strategy to buy stuff. Like, let's just use a car. So let's say that at age 30, John, let's call him, opens up a policy and puts $10,000 in premium each year and his policy for just four years, okay? So after year four, he has 37,540 bucks in cash value and just north of half a million dollars in death benefit. And let's say he decides in year five to take a loan for that car that he wants. So he wants maybe to do a $25,000 uh, vehicle So he takes a $25,000 loan from his cash value, he's got it in there, and then he decides to start making $600 a month loan repayments. So he's no longer making any premium payments, he's simply repaying the policy loan at $600 a month. That's his choice, right? Uh, So because his cash flow is tight, he only wants to pay the policy for the first four years, and then only take loans every five years for a new car, which is pretty cool. to be very honest with you, our listeners, uh, he would have had a lot more money had he kept also saving uh, and paying premiums into his policy. So, you know, I guess I could say that if you wanted to use his policy for a car and had other policies maybe set up for other things like sending his kids to college or paying for retirement. Okay, so how does John do? From year five to year nine, he's gonna pay back his loan and it's gonna pay off that loan. Let's say John will pay it off at year nine and he has a net cash value of seventy one thousand six hundred twenty four bucks. Holy smokes. Wait a second. If he had just done this, the saver staircase model, you know, if he had just saved up and paid cash for the car, he would have had forty thousand dollars in savings uh, in a savings account. You know, he paid forty grand into um, his premium. So let's keep the apples to apples here. So he would have had forty grand in savings, and he would have spent twenty five thousand dollars. on a a now five-year-old car. Maybe it's only worth 12 grand now, right? So let's play out the rest of his story. In year 10, he takes a loan for $30,000. He's gonna increase his monthly payments for 700 bucks a month. He's getting a better car, keeping up with inflation and so forth. He's still not making any more premium payments. uh, And at year 14, he now has a cash value of $120,437. This is wealth creation in action, guys. So he keeps increasing his car purchase every five years from 30000 to 35000 to 40000 And in year 20, 45000 in year 25 and so on. So that by age 64, uh, his policy is year 34. He's purchased uh, you know, tons of cars and he's uh, seeing the value lift off. And he still has a net cash value of over $537,000 and a $1.1 million death benefit. Now, he also decides he's ready to retire at age 65. So after using this policy for all these vehicles and not putting any more premium in, he's still able to get his money out every year, $30,000 a year from age 65 to 85. Not bad for buying your cars this way. So, and one more benefit, you know, liens are not taken off traditional car loans until the car is fully paid off. With policy loans, that lien, if you can call it that, on the death benefit is incrementally released with every single loan repayment that John was making to his his policy loan. Meaning, uh, you know, John or you or I can take multiple loans in between. So we don't have to wait for one loan to be paid off. It's not required that you pay off your first loan necessarily before taking out a second loan. So now, honestly, Holly, this sounds so cool. It sounds so good to be true one of the biggest things that we hear from folks is wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute this sounds so great but aren't I buying my same my cars like twice when I do this I put money into premium saved up for it and now I've got a now I've got to buy the car, and now I've got to repay the loan. I just bought that car twice, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And so we do hear this um, kind of objection, or we will hear this uh, that kind of pop up as people are thinking it through. And um, you know, the answer is kind of yes and no. I and I guess the answer really depends on your perspective. So typically, when people ask this question, and I have actually had this question myself, I remember kind mm-hmm. of wrestling through this when I was the and I remember <laughs> I was like doing the math, and I was like wait, I just bought this car twice. <laughs> How did this just happen? So um, t- typically, this is the line of thinking that you're you're kind of following when, when you come to that conclusion. Um, and so we are looking at it and we know we need to buy a car, let's just say in two years. And it's going to cost us, let's say we decide we want to spend $24,000 on a car. So we start saving $1,000 a month inside our policy So, that we'll have 24,000, the 24,000 that we'll need to buy the car in two years. Let's for simple math. So, I've saved and saved and saved, and then I have 24,000 inside my policy in two years. I buy my car and now I have a loan. Wait, that does not seem right. You know, I just got done diligently saving $1,000 a month so that I could buy this car. And now the reality is I'm having to save and, and set aside more money. To pay off this car loan. So now I'm back to saving $1,000 a month again for another two years. So at that point, you know, to kind of get me back at level. So at that point, haven't I now paid $48,000 for one car? You know, the two years I was saving to get it inside the policy and then the two years I was paying off the loan. So generally, that's how, you know, at least I'm processing this dynamic when I start to feel like I'm, I'm paying twice. Um, however, that line of thinking is really just missing a couple key components that kind of change the whole thing. Um, you know, first, this perspective is assuming that you started this policy for really one thing and one th- thing only. You know, buying a single car. Um, you know, when you think about it in that way, you're saying, "Okay, well, all I'm ever going to do with this policy is buy a car, and that's it." Hmm. Then. Yeah, you kind of (laughs) did just buy that car twice. So, you know, honestly, if the only thing you're looking to do is just buy one car in your lifetime, then yeah, you know, you're right. Maybe you probably would be better off just saving up once and just buying it with cash. But if you think you might need to buy more than one car in your lifetime, then this strategy works beautifully. And it works just in the way that we've described, because once you've paid off your loan to yourself all that cash value is right back there for you again, for you to use for car number two, car number three, four, five, et cetera. And of course, as we've mentioned before, any other purchases that you might have come up. And this is also similar to the reality that you can and probably will use this policy for retirement one day. So even in the one car scenario, you only wanna buy one car, well then that's fine. Buy your one car, pay it off buy it twice, and then know that you're going to have that, you know, $24,000 and whatever it grew to over your entire lifetime for retirement.
0: Holly, that's exactly right. In our example, go back and listen to those numbers again, listeners, um, because even if he hadn't bought those cars, hadn't ever used the loan feature, his cash value would still have been just north of half a million dollars. Uh, If you just packed in that money for the couple of years that he did, the policy does its own thing and grows irrespective of any loans you take against your policy's cash value. That's the power of this thing. So even just by saving up for one vehicle or one real estate deal or Mm. one business equipment or one kid's college, even if you never think you'll need money ever again, don't come to me for a car ride or bumming a ride off me if you think you only need one car over your lifetime because that <laughs> car is going to break down. But anyway, you're exactly right, Holly. There's there's power in this uh, in just realizing the reality that you're probably going to need money in the future too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it kind of the perspective needs to be larger than just one car. When you're looking at it through the filter of a single car purchase, it will start to feel like you're buying it twice. But when you see that once you've paid it back and you've kind of paid it twice in that way by paying the loan back, you'll realize, and once you've done it for real, you've done it in action, you'll realize that now all that money's just back there kind of in quote unquote savings again um, for you to utilize for whatever the next purchase may be, whether that's another car or anything else that might come up. Sure.
0: And isn't it true that the saver also had to buy it twice, right? He's having to buy the first car, and then save up for the next car that's putting that money in twice mm-hmm. and the the concept holds true you know if, uh, if we're going to need that that vehicle to do other things for us that financial vehicle as well as our car vehicle as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. So actually, even talking about perspective and your mindset and how you're kind of processing it, I would say rather than seeing paying off the loan as paying off a loan of that car, think of it as the saving for future purchases. Mm-hmm. Because as those dollars go you know, towards the loan, it's freeing up cash value that you're just then going to use for other things, whether it's tomorrow for another purchase or if it's in how X number of years at your retirement. So mm-hmm. really, it's just when you're paying that loan off it, don't think of it as, oh, I'm paying this towards this car again, but rather this is my active savings for um, the next thing that comes along.
0: Yeah. Some people have called it a saving on the other side of the purchase saving on the other side of the purchase. That's what the loan is. So and we've got this uh, saving staircase and uh, the debtor saver wealth creator from Don Blanton in the circle of wealth. So Google that, look at this if you want to see an image of this, or again, look at our uh, video uh, that we'll put together, uh, but there are a few other benefits. Just very quickly, as we're wrapping things up, Holly, what else besides this did Mr. John, our little example, have access to?
1: Yeah, well, I, again, when we're talking about perspective and having you know kind of the the right perspective on on this dynamic, um, again, when you're saying, "Oh, I'm buying my car twice," you're also kind of ignoring the reality of the, all the benefits that are received by a whole life insurance policy, like the vehicle you chose to use to buy that car. What were those other benefits that you got? So if those are of no value to you, then yeah, maybe it'll kind of be like, wait, what? Why'd I just do this? But if you have any need or any value in you know, the death benefit that comes right along with it, then... You know that's another ben- benefit. That is why um, that's part of this you know whole dynamic and why there's a benefit to doing it this way. Um, also, whole life insurance policies, at least with the carriers that we work with, do offer a free um, accelerated death benefit rider, and um, we've talked about that in greater detail in previous episodes. But essentially, um, it's a special rider that can help with medical costs that may arise during your lifetime as well. So there's just all these different things that. Um, A policy provides above and beyond just buying one car. And you kind of have to have the whole picture in mind um, in order to kind of see beyond buying it twice. So
0: (laughs) So now now that you, our listeners, know the truth about buying things, uh, again, and we've realized that income is probably your greatest asset on your books right now. uh, What are you going to do with this information? What are you going to do with the truth? Are you going to just let this podcast go and head on to the next one on your playlist? but are you going to sit down and maybe calculate how many cars do you have left to buy over your lifetime? And most importantly, what will you do? What action steps will you take um, knowing what you know now? So I'll leave you with that. We've got some really fun stuff in the the pipeline here for upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for those. But for today, enough is enough. We'll get uh, you onto your day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future.